Today, I'd like to give a shout out to my friends at GI Pro Health. A lot of you are already familiar with GI Pro Health. They have a large list of high-quality vitamins, supplements, probiotics, and a very extensive list of vitamin supplements and probiotics that are legal on the specific carbohydrate diet. If you go there, you'll see that they have on the side of the page a menu where you can click and see all of the SCD legal products that they have, including Yogurt Starter. You can find them at giprohealth.com. That's G-I- P-R-O-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com. They also ship to Europe. They are shipping to Canada, although because of COVID, Canadian orders are delayed. You can always give them a call and find out more about their shipping processes to Canada. Just want to mention that one of the things that I respect most about GI Pro Health is that all of their products are sent through a rigorous testing procedure, both during and before and after the manufacturing process. All of their batches are tested for up to one year for strength and longevity. They are at 100% potency when you receive them. Go to their webpage, read more about them, check them out. I'm sure you'll be glad you did. Welcome to the SCD Specific Carbohydrate Diet Podcast. If something has been eating at you or eating at your gut, then I have good news for you. The specific carbohydrate diet, also known as the SCD, has helped countless people with a wide variety of health issues improve their quality of life. It's also a great way to eat if you just want to go grain-free or stay away from processed foods. Here, you'll find interviews with SCD experts as well as everyday people who actively follow the program, and you'll get tips to help you enjoy living the SCD, including resources, recipes, and more. I'm your host, Lee Bernstein. I live with gut issues. I live with autoimmune issues. And after trying many nutrition protocols, I found that the SCD is what works for me. If that's the same for you, or if you're looking to find out if it is, then let's enjoy living SCD together. I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor. Nothing on this show is ever medical advice. I'm just someone who's thankful that the specific carbohydrate diet works. I'm thankful that it's given me my life back, and I'm especially thankful and excited about being here with you today. So if you're ready, let's begin. everyone. I hope that you are as excited as I am to listen to this interview with Jennifer Brown. She's the creator of A Life of Happenstance. It's a specific carbohydrate diet food blog. Diagnosed with ulcerative colitis in 2009, Jennifer suffered with symptoms of her disease for many years before finding the specific carbohydrate diet and completely changing her lifestyle. A combination of diet and medication helps to keep this mother of two in clinical remission. Her blog has over 100 SCD legal recipes, and it was cited as a recommended recipe site in the newest edition of Breaking the Vicious Cycle by Elaine Gottschall. I want to just talk a little bit about some of the recording issues that Jennifer and I experienced when we recorded this episode. Uh, I was able to smooth a little of it out, but for the most part, you're going to hear some silent gaps, and you might hear one or the other of us talking over each other once in a while. The problem was that our computers were running very slowly, and the gap between when one of us would start talking or stop talking and when the other one heard it is quite large. So we worked with it as best we could at one point. You'll even see that we got quite a laugh out of it. And um, I'm sure all of you will understand. It wasn't worth cutting out some of the wonderful information to make it even smoother than it might be now. So laugh, relax, enjoy. There's lots of wonderful tips here on food and on following the SCD. Thank you for being here today, Jennifer. How are you doing? Good, Lee. How are you? I'm good. I'm really excited to talk to you today. I love talking about food. It's one of my favorite 
subjects, and especially when it's food that keeps us all well rather than making us sick, it makes it even more special. So let's start with talking a little bit about you and your background, how you came to learn about the specific carbohydrate diet. First of all, what is your diagnosis? I have ulcerative colitis. All right. And you found that out when? Uh, I was diagnosed in 2009. I was 27 years old. And my symptoms, I like to say they came on pretty suddenly, but looking back, I feel like I probably had symptoms all through childhood. I was a very sickly child, constantly on antibiotics. My stomach was always bothering me. And I remember the pediatrician telling my parents that I just had a nervous tummy. Everything was fine. They couldn't find anything wrong with me. I just had a nervous tummy. And that kind of subsided as the years went on. And in 2009, I I was at a, a football game, actually. I was at a University of Florida football game having a great time tailgating. And all of a sudden, I started experiencing these terrible stomach cramps. Mm. And by the end of the game, when I got back to my hotel room, um, the stomach cramps were just severe. I couldn't leave the restroom. And I, I mean, I was filling just the toilet bowl with blood, just straight blood. Um, So it came on very quickly for me. Okay. But yet you think that it might have been quickly and yet slowly, gradually getting up to that peak of that really hard day. When you say that you were on antibiotics all the time, was it because you were getting sick very easily or just because of the stomach problems? I was getting sick very easily. Like Um, colds, flu, that kind of thing? Colds, flu, you name it, yes. Interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Just... So did they do, do you remember if they did any blood work on you to show if you had a low white cell count or anything like that? You know, I I don't know. I would have to ask my parents. Um, but again, it subsided. When, once I got into high school and into college, um, it seemed to have subsided. I got a little healthier. That nervous tummy kind of went away. And then I started working in elementary schools. I was a special needs teacher. And the cycle started all over again. Oh, no wonder. I was, yeah, that, that, would, that would do it. <laughs> yep. So it was not unusual for me to be on four or five cycles of antibiotics within a school year because I was just constantly getting sick. Anything my students had, I immediately mm-hmm. picked up. Wow. Um, so when was it that you decided to do something about it? When did you finally go see a doctor that was going to help you with your colitis? So I called my mom a few days after my symptoms started, and I told her what was happening. And um, she immediately booked me an appointment with a GI doctor. And probably within two months, I had seen the GI doctor and had my colonoscopy and had my diagnosis of ulcerative colitis. And what did the doctor suggest you do? The doctor suggested that I take medicine. He told me that I would be on medication for the rest of my life. Um, But as long as I took the medicine, I should be fine. I asked him about food. He said food really won't affect me either way. So to just continue eating whatever it is I wanted to eat. And that was it. He, you know, he gave me a follow-up appointment and I believe that I was in a state of denial. I went home and I didn't even I didn't even look it up. I didn't even research what it was. I was in such denial that at 27 I had this disease that was never going to go away. So I just pretended that I didn't have it. I took my pills and I continued on with life as normal. And was life as normal? It had its moments. <laughs> um, for, for the most part, I guess it was, at least that first year. The doctor put me on Lealda or misalamine. And for about the first year, I seemed to have, it seemed to keep me under control. 
And things slowly started getting worse and worse. So between my diagnosis in 2009 until probably late 2013, I was in and out of the hospital and in and out of ER rooms anywhere upwards of 10 to 12 times during that time span. Wow. And and still, the denial was so deep that I just, I was okay with it. I thought, well, maybe this is really what this disease is about. And I really changed my mind on it when four days before my wedding, I was in the emergency room with symptoms. Oh, and they wanted to admit Are you serious? Yes, four oh, days no. before. Four days before They were talking about wedding. admitting oh. me. Yes. That ER doctor, I must have given her the biggest eyes ever. And she asked me, she goes, is this going to cause you more stress? Yes, it is. I'm getting married in four days. I can't be in the hospital. <laughs> so she, um, she sent me home with a prescription of prednisone and told me to follow up with my GI doctor, which I did. So I think two days before my wedding, I was in my GI doctor's office and I told him, you know, I'm, I'm getting kind of tired of being in hospitals and having to go to the emergency room so much. What, what, can we, what can be done? You know, what medications do I need to change? What do I need to change? He said nothing. He said, you know, I think that two to three hospital stays a year for someone with your condition is pretty good. And that was wow. my eye-opening op- moment that it, something needed to change because that's not okay for someone under 30 to have that many hospitalizations. I didn't think anyway. Did your wedding go as planned? It did. I could barely eat any of the food. Uh, my wedding dress, because I had lost so much weight because I was in that flare prior to the wedding, uh, my wedding dress was much looser than I wanted it to be. Um, but other than those two things, the wedding went off without a hitch. I ended up seeing a new GI doctor. Um, and this was just after my wedding, I believe. And he told me that he, he did feel like food made a difference and that he had heard of the specific carbohydrate diet. And if I was interested to do some research on it, He said, don't start it right away. He was very honest. He said it was a very difficult diet to follow. He's like, just, you know, I'm going to give you a card with the name on it. Go on your honeymoon. Try and have fun. And when you get back, do research and see if that's something that you want to do. So that's what you did. You'd think, but it's not. <laughs> okay, so you get that from your honeymoon. Yep, I this is this is like they can't yep. make this stuff up. You know, this is better than a soap opera. So you get back from your honeymoon, and then what happened? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it was towards the end of the school year. I was I was busy, you know, doing fifty million things for work, and the school year ended, and. I think the school year ended around the same time that my dose of prednisone ended um, and my symptoms started back up again. And my mother said, this is it. She goes, we have to figure out what to do. You cannot continually be in the hospital. And she took me to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester. I live in Tampa, Florida. So we flew all the way up there uh, to meet with the GI doctors there. We were supposed to be there for anywhere from two to three days. Uh, I ended up being there for over a week. They admitted me when I came in. They did a colonoscopy. And the doctor after the colonoscopy sat down with me and was very blunt and said, you know, Jennifer, we need to get this under control. You, we would like to start you on Imuran or azathioprine and we're going to put you on prednisone again and if you do not respond to these medications that then we're looking at removing your large intestine oh my and that was 
that was the moment that I said, okay, I, I need to change. I was in the hospital room there at the Mayo Clinic, and I started Googling the SCD diet. I started finally doing research on my condition. I really hadn't done that before because I really just was in that state of, I'm fine. Everything will be fine. And it wasn't. Wow. And, you know, I'm sure you're so not alone that there are so many other people out there that are either have gone through the same thing or are going through the same thing now where they're thinking this is going to pass, it's going to be okay, I'm not really going to look at it, my life is too busy. I would encourage, and there's still so much more of her story to come, but I would encourage those out there who know of anyone that is just not quite ready yet to take a good solid look at what they might be going through to invite them to listen to this podcast because I'm sure they're going to hear a lot in Jennifer's words, that they're going to be able to resonate with. So thank you in advance, long before this even airs, in saying things that I know are going to help a lot of other people. All right, so now you decided, obviously, that you wanted to try the SCD. Yes. How did that feel to you? Um, did, were you totally overwhelmed? It was definitely a change. I didn't feel overwhelmed, though. In a way, I felt empowered because for so many years, I felt kind of helpless. You know, this disease was happening to me. You know, these doctors were telling me there was nothing I could do other than take a pill. So I really did feel empowered that I was going to try something for myself to try and get things under control. Um, and I really threw myself headfirst into it. I had absolutely no cooking experience at all. Um, my mother used to go to the grocery store for me and buy my meat and my chicken. And she would slice it into single servings for me and wrap it in freezer paper and give it to me. And that... Those were my, that was my protein for the week. I mean, I really, I did not have a lot of experience. So the food network was always on so that I could try and learn how to cook. And I would go to the grocery store first thing in the morning when they opened so that I could take my time walking up and down the aisles, figuring out what I could and couldn't have. I would constantly have the Breaking the Vicious Cycle website on my cell phone with the legal and illegal list and just look at everything and figure out what I could and couldn't have. And I will say I did not have my children at that time, which definitely made it, I think, easier because I could invest that time in myself. I think if I had started the diet when I already had children, it obviously would have been much, much more difficult, I think, to try and figure out this new way of eating while also trying to occupy two little kids. Yeah, absolutely. So you're teaching yourself how to cook. You're doing everything from the bottom up. You, I love what you said about feeling empowered. I love what you said about how it, it didn't, because a lot of people look at the specific carbohydrate diet, and at first it seems so restrictive. And at first, for many people, it seems very overwhelming. But once you get on it, and well, I'm sure we'll talk about that, you find that there's a lot of ways to make many, many wonderful things. But feeling empowered is, I think, nine-tenths of the battle, knowing that you're now in charge and that you do have a way to change your life and you do have a way to feel better and that you're totally in control of that. That is amazing. So, um, what was the hardest for you to give up from the standard American diet when it came to following SCD? So you said that uh, chocolate and bread were the hardest things for you? Absolutely. Why is that? Um, and, oh goodness, really, chocolate. How can anybody not love chocolate? Um, and bread <laughs> is, <laughs> I don't know, Lee, it's just so good. I mean, I I know. But, and it's funny because chocolate, I don't miss it now. 
Um, I've been on the SCD diet since 2013, the end of 2013. And I don't really miss chocolate all that much anymore. Bread, I do. Um, but chocolate, I'm I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I do this thing. Everybody thinks it's funny. Um, I I like to smell their desserts that I can't have. Can, I'm like, can I smell it? And I take a nice big <laughs> breath, and then I'm okay. I'm like, you know what? That smells really good. I can move <laughs> on now. And <laughs> but I did read a research a research paper at some point that said that smelling desserts helps you to. Oh gosh, what did it say? It it helps to like quench like that that need for it. Isn't that interesting? Can we edit that out, Lee? Sorry. <laughs> I went off on a tangent on chocolate. No, I love it. We're leaving it in. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I'm laughing because I am I am the ultimate enabler when it comes to wanting to eat something that I can't have. When my husband and I traveled to Europe, there were all of these bakeries and things that we went past. And I would look in the windows and I would think, oh, I really want that. And I would beg him to eat one <laughs> just so I could live vicariously. <laughs> and the same thing with smell. No. Can I just smell it? Can I just smell it? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Yes, I know. I do the same thing. We'll go out to restaurants. I'm like, somebody needs to order that chocolate peanut butter pie so that I can smell it. (laughs) Yeah, and if you went in the bakery and just asked them if you could smell everything, they'd probably think you were crazy. So. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to want to talk about your biggest tips for someone who's just starting the diet. But before we go into that, did your symptoms improve on the specific carbohydrate diet? They did. Um, They improved for quite some, well, for probably a few months they improved. And then I came down with C. diff. And I was in the hospital for a little (gasps) over a week. With a C. diff infection. And and on antibiotics, I'm sure. And on antibiotics, again. And you know what, though? It ended up being a blessing in disguise. Um, the, the new GI doctor that I saw right after my wedding, I called him, and he brought me into his office when I left the hospital. On Thanksgiving, this man went into his office to see me. We were the only ones there. Um, and he suggested that I try an FMT, a fecal transplant. And I said, okay, let's do it. And I had that done and I, I experienced no ulcerative colitis symptoms. The C. diff went away and I had probably about seven or eight months of the healthiest that I ever was since being diagnosed. Wow. And of course, I have, I've heard a lot about using fecal transplants for C. diff, but I'm hearing too that it really helped with your colitis symptoms. What brought your colitis symptoms back after that? I got pregnant. Oh, bingo. Yep. I think it, the hormones probably, and I, I got pregnant and symptoms came back during my pregnancy. But at least, thank goodness, you didn't have C. diff, right? And I did not have C. diff. Right. Exactly. And so were you following the SCD in those seven months that you felt so much better? So you were still continuing to eat the right foods? I was. Pregnancy hits. Now your colitis is back. You still continue to eat the right foods. How did the doctors handle your colitis um, once you were pregnant? Uh, prednisone. Okay. So I was placed on prednisone. My, my symptoms, my ulcerative colitis symptoms began in my second trimester, I believe. So I was on prednisone from my second trimester until they induced me. They induced me about five weeks early. Okay. But everything went well and you got through it. I did. That's great. I did. That's great. Yes. Um, and again, um, before we go back into the tips, are you still on medication today? I am. Okay. What medication are you currently on? Uh, at the moment, the only medication I'm on for ulcerative colitis is Intivio. So I get an infusion every eight weeks. 
Okay. And that's working well for you? It is working well for me. It was a very difficult decision to come to. Um, I felt, at the beginning, I felt almost like a failure that I had to go on a biologic medication. Um, But then I, you know, I really thought about it and I was not able to have the quality of life that I wanted at that point. I had just given birth to my second child and my symptoms were not going away. They were increasing and I needed to be able to take care of myself and my family. And it ended up being a a really good decision for me. I'm now symptom free for two years between the medication and SCD. It was a long road to get here, but I'm happy that I found something that worked. Yeah, it was a long road. 2009 and probably even before, like you said, because you were, your body was going through everything that it was going through. All right. So now you have done the specific carbohydrate diet. You're getting to know all about it. Tell us some tips for someone just starting the diet, especially if there's someone like you that didn't that really doesn't know a lot about cooking or baking or, or shopping talk to us so i have a couple i would say especially in the beginning you need to keep your meals simple um you know a, a protein figure out what your safe foods are and then build from there and keep a food journal yes um you know Write down what you're eating, how you feel afterwards, what your bowel movements look like. And I even went so far as writing down how much sleep I got, how much uh, water I was drinking, because all of those things have a real effect on you. I would write down any stressful events I've found through keeping a journal that stress tends to be a big trigger for me. And Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that before. I thought it was just food. But through keeping a health journal, I was able to to narrow that down. You know, it's interesting, too. A lot of people don't think they're going through stress. But just changing your diet and trying to figure out what's wrong with your body is stress. You know, stress comes in a lot of different forms. That was a smart thing to do. It's something that if I, and I've said Um, this on the the podcast before, if I had it to do all over... I'm sorry, Lee, you were cutting in and out. That's okay. We're both cutting in and out. But you know what? Our listeners are going to understand. I was just saying that uh, I've said on the podcast before that if I had it to do all over, that is what I would do. I would keep a very strict food journal. And even now, after all these years, I still need to be doing it. I really need to start doing it. But you'll learn so much and you think you're going to remember but you're not. I mean, there's just so much that you're coping with and dealing with. And then the day-to-day life of just everything else that a person goes through, that food journal is golden. Now, what were you saying before I interrupted you? Sorry about that. (laughs) No, no apologies needed. Um, I was saying that another great thing is to meal plan. Meal plan everything, what you're going to have for breakfast, what you're going to have for snacks, for lunch, for dinner, Um, And try and stick with it as much as you can. I feel like that really helps to alleviate stress in the kitchen to know what I'm going to be serving because then I'm not standing in the kitchen with 30 minutes to get food on the table and I have no idea what to do. And cooking shows. Oh, for shopping. Cooking shows. Cooking shows. Now, I know that can be a little controversial because. A lot of the recipes that they make on cooking shows, we following SCD won't necessarily be able to have. However, you can look at the cooking shows more as like a tutorial, you know? How are they chopping their onions? How, what does it mean to sear? You know, there's Ina Garden showing you how to sear chicken in a, you know, in a frying pan. Those types of things are really great um, and will really help, I think, help someone kind of learn the basics of cooking. And don't be afraid to go in the kitchen and try things. And if you mess up, that's okay, because then you learn from it. And the next time you make it, you'll make it even better. 
You mentioned Ina Garden. Uh, do you have any other cooking shows or cookbooks just on general cooking procedures that you'd recommend for people that are just beginning to learn their way around the kitchen? I do not have any cookbooks that I would recommend. I have tried to get through The Joy of Cooking, which is, if anyone has ever seen The Joy of Cooking cookbook, it is the largest cookbook ever. (laughs) I think I've tried four or five times to get through it, and one day I will. Um, But (laughs) if you have the inclination, I think that that might be a good book to start with. Other than that, really, um, anything on on Food Network will help you. I love Ina Garten, the Barefoot Contessa. I have her on constantly. Um, I feel like she does a really nice job explaining what she's doing and why. And there are other cooking shows on there as well. And she's, she's relaxing well. to listen to. Oh, her voice. She's relaxing yes, to listen relaxing. to. She has the greatest voice. I'll make mm-hmm. sure that I put uh, put a link to that in the show notes for people. And then shopping. Let's shopping and reading those labels and oh my goodness. Yeah. So the SCD is definitely more about whole foods as opposed to processed foods. So really getting to know the layout of your grocery store is helpful. You know, all the processed foods tend to be in the center of the store in the aisles. And your whole foods, so your vegetables, your fruits, um, your meat, the seafood, dairy, all of that is along the perimeter, typically. So figuring out where your staples are in the grocery store will help to get you in and out of the store quicker. And... In terms of the food labels, again, there really isn't much in most grocery stores that are SCD legal. So I would suggest, at least for a few times if you're new to grocery shopping or new to finding SCD legal groceries, go when your grocery store is the emptiest, whether that's, you know, 30 minutes before closing or right when they open. That way you can really take your time. You can look at the different foods, look at where they are, read the ingredients, and you're not going to be in anyone's way. You know, you're not going to have five people trying to get by you, um, you know, while you stand there in the aisle dissecting four different boxes of whatever. And now with COVID, that's even more important. Yes, it definitely is. I'm sorry, Lee, I can't hear you. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying go ahead with what you were oh. <laughs> go ahead with what you were saying. Well, that would make sense then. Let me check this internet connection, make sure that I'm okay. <laughs> We're like a comedy show. You know show. how you watch news shows? You know how you watch news shows and the 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 person who's doing the broadcasting asks a question and the reporter that's out in the field, there's always like a five to 10 second delay before the person answers that question. I kind of feel like that's what we're going through here today. So I just need to pretend <laughs> I like, I don't know, I'm on ABC or CBS or something, which I have no experience in whatsoever. But somehow we're going to get through this. It's going to be fine. Where were we? <laughs> what were we talking Gosh, about? I don't even know. <laughs> oh, I was saying that I think- <laughs> during during COVID, this is it's even more important to go because you you don't want to be standing around a lot of other people anyway. Very true. Yes. And I forgot the last tip I was going to say. It'll come to me at some point. <laughs> <laughs> It'll come to you. Okay. So It'll it will. Do you find do you find the specific carbohydrate diet to be Oh, oh wait, what I was going to ask you. Are there any foods on the specific carbohydrate diet that are legal that you can't eat? Yes, there are. Um I have trouble with leafy greens. I have trouble with cacao butter. I think it's too oily for me. Um, eggplant seems to cause 
some issues. Um, those are all like, oh, and coconut flour. Okay, you're able to do the uh, SCD 24-hour yogurt? Um, you know what? I recently took that out of my diet. I thought that it was causing me issues, and I have been off of it for about a month, and I've been doing better without it. Are you using anything else as a probiotic? Yes, I do take um, a probiotic in a capsule form. Okay. You do you do any uh, fermented foods at all? I have tried sauerkraut, and actually, that is another one that I cannot do. Mm, okay. Other, so, yeah. other than that, I have not tried. So there is yeah, there are yeah. quite a few things that I still can't handle yet. Everyone is so different, and truly, the specific carbohydrate diet looks different to everyone. Some people say that they have a difficult time with the nightshades that are allowed on SCD, for example, peppers or tomatoes. Other people just really have a tough time with the dairy or like you said, the the leafy greens. Others will start out and go for quite a while not being able to eat certain things and then over a period of time find that slowly but surely they're able to eat those things. So it really is a different story for everyone. And uh, just because something's legal doesn't necessarily mean that it's right for that person. So I'm, I'm really, really glad that you shared that. When did you decide to start your blog? So I decided to start the blog in 2016, I believe, 2017 maybe. Um, 2017, I decided to start the blog and I was having a really hard time. I was feeling a little lost in my life at that point. I was in a flare and an ulcerative colitis flare that I was having a hard time getting out of. I had two children under the age of two. My husband was working full time and working to finish up his PhD program. And I felt very overwhelmed. I I believe I also had some postpartum depression going on. And I felt overwhelmed. I felt like I was giving so much of myself to others and I didn't have anything for me. So I sat down one day and decided that I needed to find a way to not only connect with others, but to also do something that was just for me. Um, I missed being a teacher. I missed being able to help young children and their families. And I thought, well, you know, maybe if I start this blog on SCD recipes, maybe it will help one person and maybe it'll help me as well. It'll give me something to focus on other than the kids, which I love. Please don't get me wrong. I love my children and I love staying home and being a parent to them. Um, but sometimes you need something that's just yours. Absolutely. So the blog started, and yes. and away it went. Uh, w- when you started out, were you doing a lot of recipes, or were you just discussing what was going on in your life, or was it a combination of the two? So when I started, I thought that it would be more of kind of my ramblings on my life with ulcerative colitis. And that didn't happen at all. It ended up just being a recipe blog. Um, I had been, over the years, you know, tweaking recipes and coming up with new recipes and decided that, you know, I would I would go ahead and share those and see if anybody liked them. I didn't think anybody would read it except for, you know, my husband who does the editing for me. <laughs> he proofreads. And maybe my mom on occasion. Um, so I'm I'm really grateful and thankful for, you know, those people that have come onto the blog and made the recipes. You know, I was uh, reminded that you would be an excellent person to interview when I did my interview with Matt Harrod, who's the son of um, 
the grandson, I'm sorry, of Elaine Gottschall, who, of course, wrote Breaking the Vicious Cycle. And he had the nicest things to say about you and your recipes and your blog during that interview. So not that long after I reached out to you to do this interview today. So I'd say not only are people reading it and loving it, but you have some big players, some heavy hitters that are there loving everything that you're doing and all of the things that you contribute. And we're going to be saying this again towards the end of the podcast in my introduction today. I've said it as well, but the name of the site is A Life of Happenstance, which I love that title. Was it always called that? How did you how did you come about with A Life of Happenstance? You know, I don't even know. And if I had had any idea what the blog would actually be about, I would have actually named it something in relation to cooking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, such is life. And that's the name. Um, And yeah, people seem to like it, which is good. But yes, anybody out there who is thinking of starting a blog, I suggest you think long and hard of what you want your blog to be um, and give it a name that corresponds with that. (laughs) (laughs) If nothing else, you could always call it the I'm not quite sure what this is going to be yet blog, but thank you for being here. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Where do you get your inspiration for your recipes? So I have lots of childhood favorites that I have modified to make SCD legal. Anytime we go out to a restaurant, which really is not very much, and it wasn't very much even before the pandemic, but I like to look at what the other people at my table are eating, um, and I get some ideas from that. The cooking shows, of course. I love, love watching those, um, those baking championship shows and just looking at their flavor combinations and you know, their decorations and what they're making. And I think it's fascinating. And uh, a lot of comfort food in there if you're drawing from childhood, I would imagine. Yes, I have a delicious shepherd's pie recipe, um, which is perfect for St. Patrick's Day here. Um, I also have my favorite, we probably make this recipe Two to three times a month, it's a Cuban picadillo recipe. Mm. Um, So it's ground beef, and it's seasoned with tomato sauce and cumin and oregano, and it has olives and raisins. And I know some people raise their eyebrows with that combination, but it's a really delicious sweet and salty combo. It's See, I delicious. love I love sweet and salty together. Um, a lot too. of African foods will incorporate um, sweet and salty too, and they're delicious. I'm going to need to look that one up. Well, when you're creating your recipes, what's your process look like? Do you kind of keep notes on? Uh, is it like a scientific process for you, or how do you approach it? Yeah, it kind of is. So over the years, especially with baking, I've kind of got a um, I have a base for, you know, for like my cakes. You know, it needs typically this much flour, this much milk, this many eggs. Um, And then I just kind of go from there and I play with the flavors. And every single recipe that's on the blog gets recipe tested a minimum of three times. And I eat it. My husband eats it. My two children, who are now six and four, eat every single thing that's on that blog and give me their very honest opinions. Um, And before the pandemic started, we were having um, weekly dinners at my parents' house. So I would bring food over there and get their opinion. And they follow the standard American diet. And my father, in particular, is not a big fan of, quote-unquote, healthy food. So anytime I bring something and he tries it and he likes it, I know I've got a winner. Score. Yep. <laughs> you said yes. you, you have. A, you said when you have your basics that you that you draw upon, like for cake, for example. <clears throat> when you say milk, you're talking about maybe almond milk, coconut milk. What it? Yes. What type of milk do you use? Yes. Sorry. So it depends on the recipe. 
Um, but typically, the milks are interchangeable. Almond milk, cashew milk, walnut milk. The other one, the one that gets a little tricky is coconut milk. Um, because I'm not talking about the coconut milk that you buy in the carton at the grocery store that tends to be kind of watery. It's canned coconut milk. And it is not unusual for the thicker cream to separate from the liquid. So when you use canned coconut, you need to make sure that you shake it really well if you're going to use that in, say, a cake recipe. And most and any blog really should say that. You know, if you're using canned coconut, shake the can first, then measure out how much you need. There's a lot of coconut milk, almond milk, all, all these different milks out there that are very illegal. And reading those ingredients are so important. Um, some canned coconut milk has gums, others don't. Do you, does a brand can't come to mind that you would recommend for coconut milk? Yes, uh, it's the Native Forest brand, and I believe it's the Simple. Yes. It's, the only ingredients are water and coconut, I believe. Um, I order that all the time. That's the only one I use, and I love it. Yes, they have that, and they have re their regular coconut milk, so people want to make sure that they look for the word Simple, and it's very big yes. on the label. It's right in the middle. They want mm -hmm. to make sure that they look for the word simple. Do you get a lot of questions? Oh, and one thing I want to say, one thing I love about your site is that this is a place that you go to that is current. It's right on the beat. So if you've published a recipe and someone writes to you today to say, this worked, this didn't work. Oh, I really loved it. Thank you so much. It doesn't just sit there in the universe with no one paying any attention to it. And there are so many sites like that. You are right there. You're answering questions. You're thanking people for commenting. You're continually interacting. So anyone that goes to your page is not only going to have a wealth of information that they get from you, but there's also going to be you right there making sure that if they have questions or they need anything, they get answers and they get listened to and cared about. You really treat them like they're part of the group, and that is incredibly important. Thank you. I figure that if someone has taken the time to write a review or ask a question, then I definitely need to respond. Um, and I will say, too, that if you have a question or a comment and it's not something that you want to be public on the website, I have a contact me button on the website and that will send me a direct email and then anything that's shared between us is in confidence. Excellent. What are the most common questions you get about your recipes? Oh, substitution questions, for sure. Uh, um, I have a lot of people asking me if they can use coconut flour in place of almond flour. And that is a hard no. Please do not try to substitute coconut flour for almond flour in a recipe. Coconut flour needs significantly more moisture. And I always suggest that you seek out a recipe made specifically with coconut flour so that you don't waste those delicious ingredients. Um, the other thing I get asked is if other nut flours, not coconut flour, but hazelnut flour, cashew flour, pecan flour, if those flours can be used in place of almond flour. And I actually just did a really interesting experiment. I took four different flours and I made the exact same recipe with each flour to see how they turned out. And I was really surprised by my results. I used almond flour, blanched, finely ground almond flour I used because there is a difference between almond flour and almond meal. So blanched, finely ground almond flour. I used hazelnut flour, which is a bit grittier and it still has the skin on. I used cashew flour, which looks very similar to almond flour. And then I used a mix that I found at Sprouts. It's a mix of almond flour, coconut flour, pecan flour, and walnut flour all in one. Um, and the results were very interesting. I would say that if you are wanting to substitute 
a different flower for almond flour, go with cashew flour. Why is that? The results were most similar to almond flour. Um, It actually made a very fluffy, um, moist cake. And it rose significantly higher than the almond flour, which I was surprised by. The taste is slightly different, of course, because you're using different nuts, but it's still good. My husband said that he felt like the cashew flour was a bit sweeter than the almond flour. Um, but yeah, go with cashew flour. Good to know. That's a, that, And one-on-one. So if it calls for a cup of almond flour, you use a Do you go by the cup measurement or do you go by the weight measurement? <clears throat> and does, or does it make a difference? It does make a difference. I go by the cup measurement. Um, I know that typically readers in Europe um, normally weigh their ingredients. I do not. And so if a person, if their cup is slightly different than yours, the recipe is probably still going to work anyway? It should, as long as it's not vastly different. So there are... I'm going to get technical now. So there are two different kinds of measuring cups. There are wet measuring cups and there are dry measuring cups. So wet measuring cups are like the glass measuring cups that have, you know, the red measurements on and it has the handle. And the pour spout. And the pour spout, yes. So that's what you want to use when you're measuring out, you know, coconut oil or um, milk, almond milk, those kinds of things. You want to use a wet measuring cup. If you are measuring out flour, then you want to use a dry measuring cup, which are the ones that have the long handle and they're, well, help me out, Lee, like a... They're just a measuring like a cup, cup. A very short just cup. A, a lot of times they come in sets that go from just like a an measuring cup. cup all yeah, the way up. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, for yeah. people that are new at baking, they don't know whether to tap it down and make it real dense or whether they need to kind of fluff it up. You're not going to be doing any sifting, obviously, because this isn't a siftable flour. Are you just kind of doing the scoop and level uh, process for when you do a dry measure? Yes. Yep, that is exactly what I do. And if for some reason it does need to be compacted, then that'll be written in the instructions so that you know. Excellent. So... You've got, how many recipes do you have on your blog? I have over a hundred. Um, I, I really don't remember. Maybe around 140, 130, somewhere in that range. Okay. And, and I have everything. it's all different kinds? Right. Yep, it's all different kinds. I have appetizers, snacks, breakfast, um, some staples. I have desserts, main meals, sides. So I've got a little bit of everything. And you have things broken out. Everything on your site is SCD legal, but then some is also very specific to paleo or Whole30, uh, dairy-free, that sort of thing. So you have things broken out for people that are looking for that as well. Yes, yes. But the big takeaway is everything is SCD legal. But as we know, not everyone can do everything that's legal on the diet. So I have a lot of readers that can't do eggs. So they can go to my egg-free category and they'll know that everything there is SCD legal, plus it doesn't have eggs. You're you're a woman after many people's hearts, that's for sure, because not everyone takes the time to do that. So, but I've got to know, what are your favorites? What are some of your favorite recipes? Oh, I have a lot. So for dessert... I would say that my vanilla cake pops are probably one of my favorites. Um, I mentioned the Cuban picadillo previously. We really do make that two to three times a month. It's a 30-minute meal. It's absolutely delicious. It's full of flavor. Um, I have a cashew alfredo sauce that is amazing. It tastes just like regular alfredo sauce. My dad, I had him try it one day, and he goes, ooh, this is good. What am I eating? I said, you're eating cashews. He goes, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. (laughs) I love that. And that's a recipe that I've been meaning to try for the longest time. I need to do it. I have cashews at home right now. I need to just break down and do it. Maybe this weekend. (laughs) Yes, you need to try it. So what are you putting the Alfredo sauce Um, on? 
uh, spaghetti squash or zucchini noodles. You can also use it um, to make like a like a chicken Alfredo. Get some leftover rotisserie chicken, mix it in there, and top it with. Um, well, if you want cheese, top it with a little cheese. And it's it's delicious, you know. Mix it with your zoodles. Mix it with your spaghetti squash. And other favorites? Butternut squash lasagna. Mm. So in yep, so I use sheets of butternut squash to resemble the lasagna, like the the regular lasagna pasta sheets. I used to use eggplant and then when I realized that eggplant didn't settle well. I tried the butternut squash and it was so good. Um, Another favorite, actually, this is my husband's favorite. It's a pear and Havarti tart. So it's a dessert and it has an almond flour crust and it's filled with like gooey Havarti cheese and sliced pears. And then it's drizzled with a honey cinnamon sauce. Yum. Yes. Very good. And, And these are, these are, High end, you know, you having guests over and you really want to impress them. You serve something like that for dessert. It doesn't matter if you're on SCD or not. That is just a beautiful dessert that if I saw on a menu in a wonderful restaurant, I'd be very impressed. I actually served that dessert for a um, work party that we were hosting a couple years ago with my husband's colleagues. And that dessert was the first one to go. I was so glad that I had cut myself a slice and set it aside before presenting it to everybody because it went so quickly. Sounds really good. Do you buy, you with the pears, do you buy in season or do you buy year round? I buy in season for pears. Okay. All right. When When is, that's winter, right? For pears? Yeah. Fall and winter. For- kind of coming to the end of pear season right now and darn it because I want to make that this weekend too. I'll have to see what I, I can find. I know. Any other favorite <laughs> recipes you'd like to entice us with? <laughs> and these are all um, free by the way everybody. Yes. These are all free. You go to her site. You don't have to pay for anything. There's no subscriptions. There's nothing. It's there because she loves you. Okay. Anything else <laughs> that you love? From- <laughs> yes. Ice cream. During the summer my freezer is stocked with Vanilla cashew ice cream. Mm. Um, it is creamy. It is so delicious. And I've had readers in the past tell me that instead of using raw cashews, they have used cashew butter, which I tried for the first time actually last week. Um, and it worked beautifully. I felt like the cashew flavor definitely came through more than if you're using the raw cashews. But it was it was delicious. So if you don't have raw cashews and you just have cashew butter, you can still make it. Do you use an ice cream maker when you make that? No. So that is just with a blender. And you pour it into a loaf pan and put it into your freezer. If you have an ice cream maker, you can certainly put it into your ice cream maker. And then it'll be like a, a soft serve consistency, which is great. But no need to run out and get an ice cream maker. That's nice. That's good to know, too. So you you said that you test all of these recipes at least three times. How do you know, how do you decide which ones are going to go on your blog? Are there many that don't make the cut? Oh, yes. I have notebooks filled with recipes that don't make the cut or recipes that I've tagged that, you know, I'm going to come back to it later. I can't quite get it right, so I need to walk away from it, and maybe in a few months I'll revisit but it has to wow me in order to make it on the blog. And honestly, my kids have to like it as well. I want my children to like it and be excited about it. So every recipe that's on there, we really do eat. You know, there's a lot of blogs out there that you can tell they're just doing everything they can do to make sure that they're getting a recipe up a day or a recipe up a week. And you can tell when you try to make it yourself. I can't I can't begin to tell you the times that I have had. And I'm a good cook, so it's not like I don't know what I'm doing. I've had recipes fail because, oh, yeah, now looking at the way they wrote it, they really shouldn't have said it that way, or they probably left this out, or this was a wrong ratio of A to B. And I get 
very frustrated with that because, well, it, cooking and baking is never cheap, but especially if you're using whole foods and you're you're going to the to the extent of maybe even buying organic and buying the really good stuff, and then something doesn't come out right. Err. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely it can definitely be frustrating and I've I've had that happen before as well. I've made oh gosh, years ago when I first started the diet, I think it was a Danielle Walker recipe. I made a strawberry, she has like a strawberry shortcake cupcake recipe. And it did not turn out at all and I was so upset. And then a few months later, I was like, "You know what? I'm going to try that recipe again." And I tried it again and it came out perfect. You know, I, I don't know what I did differently, obviously something, but it, again, and at that time I was learning, I certainly wouldn't say that I was, you know, an experienced baker at that point in my journey. Um, so, and I know that there are recipes on my blog from four years ago when I first started, I'm actually slowly going back and revamping those recipes from the early years because with any job or hobby, the more you do it, the better you get. So going back and looking at those recipes and really tweaking them and making sure that they're the best that they can be. Good for you. I, you know, I, people are probably wanting this interview to be over because they just want to go visit your site right now and then start cooking and shopping and baking and doing all the fun stuff. Uh, so please tell us all uh, the best way to get in touch with you, the best way to support your blog, anything that you can about all the good work you do. I'm sorry, Lee, I didn't catch the question. You broke up. What's the best way to get in touch with you and to support your blog, A Life of Happenstance? So I would say that the biggest way that you could support me is coming back after you've made a recipe and leaving a review and leaving a star rating. Leaving a review and a star rating lets Google know that the information that's there is important and it will show it to other readers. Um, And not only that, but you leaving a review will help other readers who go to the blog because what's the first thing most people do when they go to find a recipe? I know I scroll down to the comments because I want to see what people have to say about it. So leaving a review lets people know what you did and if it worked and any changes that you might have made. I had someone post a review the other day on my coconut flour cup or no, my coconut cupcake recipe. And she substituted bubbly water for eggs and said that it worked. So that's something that's really helpful for somebody who maybe is trying to cut back on eggs or can't have eggs to read that comment and say, oh, maybe I'll try that. So definitely leave a comment, leave a star review. And I'd, I'd say the second thing that you could probably do is subscribe to my newsletter. I send out a newsletter anywhere from two to four times a month. So it's not a lot, but every newsletter will have a new recipe And I do have people that follow me on social media. I'm not consistent. So if you are counting on, you know, my Instagram post to tell you when a new recipe is up, it might not happen. Um, I, you know, sometimes I'm really good and I'm on there for weeks at a time posting consistently. And sometimes I disappear for a couple months, but I'm still putting up new recipes so if you subscribe to my newsletter. And, and you're consistent with the newsletter. Yeah. Them. Excellent. Yeah. Well, um, so they go to your they can go to a life of happenstance.com, is that correct? Yes, and that is correct. the subscription box for your newsletter is there. Everybody go. Like, don't wait. Go subscribe. <laughs> I've subscribed. I'm really looking forward to getting them. <laughs> and um and learning so much more from you as time goes along. You, you, you need to have your own cooking show. I wish that you would. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're too kind. I tried to dabble in YouTube last year, and then the pandemic hit, and my kids were always home. And I was like, well, there goes that, <laughs> at least for now. 
<laughs> Everyone, during the interviews that I do, I do video interviews, but then when I launch them, of course, they're audio only. And you don't have the advantage that I do of sitting here and looking at Jennifer's absolutely amazing kitchen, which is another story in and of itself. We won't go into that, but she remodeled <laughs> the whole thing. And it looks just like one of those cooking show kitchens. I can see a camera on one end and you on the other. So hopefully you'll get back to that. Um, and your smiling face. Yes, I'm you know, sure everybody I needs to see that too. Everybody needs to see that too. I can't thank you enough for being here today. Um, I'm excited to see how many people reach out to you after listening to this and all of your future recipes. Hope to have you back on the show again. Thank you so much for having me, Lee. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening and thank you for being here today. I hope you enjoyed the show. You can find me, Lee Bernstein, through my website at scd4me.com. Four is F-O-R. There's also links to other social media sites there if you'd like to connect with me on those. If you have questions, comments, suggestions for future shows, or if you have an SCD success story to share, write to me at leebernstein at scd4me.com. A reminder, I am not an SCD expert. Nothing on this show is ever intended as medical advice. Everybody's different. If you have questions about you and your body, always speak to your medical profession. In the meantime, I hope you'll always listen to your gut. I hope you'll stay happy, be well, and always be open to being everything life means for you to be. Take care.